Welcome to another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, the podcast where we break down movies, uh, break down trailers, uh, talk speculation, and just uh, generally take a deep dive into pop culture and some of the latest and greatest uh, uh, hitting news. Well said, Ivan. Yes. What are we talking about this week? Um, We're out of ideas this week, so... You know, I just bought a box of Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Dude, me too. That's clearly the best, right? Is it multigrain, though? I don't know what's under the layers of sugar. (laughs) (laughs) I never realized that it's basically like a golden gram that's just coated in cinnamon and sugar. It basically is. It's like it's golden gram meets diabetes type (laughs) two and just a light sprinkle of diabetes type one with the aftertaste of cardboard with sugar in it. But in all seriousness, today we're talking about Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman. Is there another? Uh, Yeah, Linda Carter. I, I feel like I act so offended when okay. you don't know these things, but <laughs> Okay. Okay, bro. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> um no, we're talking Wonder Woman first movie, kinda I guess giving our general thoughts on like Wonder Woman and the DCEU, uh kinda where you know, where we think it ranks up with uh, the rest of the DC movies. Um and also let's um let's talk a little about Wonder Woman eighty four, which I think we're as of as of recording, we're like what five days away from from release or so on hbo max might be six it's on christmas day it's christmas day 2020 we're, we're lost 2020 feels like it's gone anyway so right so Our, we're not doing wonder woman one for no reason we know it's several years old and we're not going to break down scenes we're just probably going to talk about a couple scenes here and there but yeah wonder woman 2 1984 is coming out in less than a week so we're uh, hoping to you know just give a little background into where she's been in her series. I know where she hasn't been. Where's that? At the box office, because 2020 took that away from her. 2018 also was taken away from her. And 2019. This, this movie's been postponed twice. That's so terrible. Yeah. There's, um, I, I feel like all of it has been like, for one, it was scheduling conflicts. And then I think that Patty Jenkins, the director, had asked for additional time. So... Yeah, I feel like this is a movie we've been looking at at least initial trailers and still images for about two years now. Has it lost momentum, you think? Or is it gained momentum because of 2020 being what it was? Like, I was really hyped up for December 2018, but then Aquaman took its place, and then we all know how that turned out. So, like, has have people kind of, like, forgotten what Wonder Woman 1 was like, you think? Um, I think it. I think there may be some something there. I I don't really know if they've necessarily forgotten. I don't. I don't think the hype is gone. I think the interest is still there because of one thing. And I feel like Wonder Woman. And and I guess I guess you can make the aqua the the argument that Aquaman is also kind of up there. Was a character that kind of stood out from the Justice League pantheon of characters. Pantheon, great word. Is it, did I use that correctly? <laughs> I don't know, but I loved it. <laughs> Great. We'll, we'll say it is. <laughs> um, no, like I, I think that one of the things, you know, not to get all geeky here or anything. <laughs> God forbid Behind the Fourth Wall gets very <laughs> into the geek stuff, right? Um, no, so I, Marvel has its trinity of like main characters, I think, nowadays, but for a very long time, the most popular comics franchise has been DC Comics, and they've had their 
holy trinity per se of top three characters which was batman superman and wonder woman and while batman and superman have gotten movies they've gotten video games they've had multiple tv shows i don't think there's ever really been that much of a focus on wonder woman besides the linda carter series um but now that we well on the advent of uh, batman versus superman her debut there uh her inclusion in justice league i, I feel like the, her solo movie got a lot of traction and uh i think for you, that reason alone why do you think that is hard. why do you think she got snubbed i i think there's different opinions on why I feel like th- there has been legitimate concern that women don't sell action movie tickets. At least that's been as somebody who's been in the industry <laughs> and no. who's worked on, you know, who's been in like the room with folks kind of up at like producers and stuff and has kind of heard some of this stuff. I know that there's a lot of there has been a lot of bias of saying like, oh, a, an action movie starting women typically doesn't perform all that well. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of make the argument, though, that every time Hollywood has tried to do that before, they either try to over-sexualize right. you know, the protagonist, or they focus on the wrong things, basically. So Yeah, I, I, I was thinking, too, that like she probably, the, the, the time of Batman and Superman getting movies was like the 80s and 90s, and yeah, it was definitely probably hard to make a movie that would just be led by a woman only then just from the you know the pulse of society at that time and then it became this society where we're very sensitive to not like over sexualizing woman in the mo- in movies but now i think you it's come back around where it's like we need examples of women in power in lead roles so hopefully like this does spur other movies but then i also like just speaking from a fan perspective, I just don't want to end up with another like Captain Marvel where it's like, <laughs> yeah, I love having like Brie Larson in the lead, but the plot and like the dialogue in that was just terrible to watch. Yeah, so I feel like there's a very big difference between authentic like representation of women in movies and then like very much exaggerated um, pandering, I guess. Uh, for 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 the base, which we kind of saw with some of the Marvel stuff that we that they've done. Um, Wonder Woman, I feel like was a was one of the big ones recently, where it it, it definitely was like a traditional feminist icon coming into the screen, right? But it's not like being a little bit too overbearing with the, with the message. Um, I I, I always kind of bring this up, but I feel like the show don't tell aspect of things is very powerful for for movies and TV show where. You know, you get the audience. You have to understand that the audience is going to be smart enough to catch on to your message. And I think Wonder Woman did an excellent job with portraying a very strong female character uh, and balancing that out with, you know, the, the, the a world where and a genre, I guess, that's primarily male-driven. But this didn't feel like, oh, this is the woman superhero. This felt like it's it's a great superhero movie. Yeah, let's talk about pros and cons of Wonder Woman one, and then. We can kind of like do a little bit more on the DC or on the yeah. DC universe. What's I guess let's start with general takes about it. I th- think we kind of both agree that it's ranked probably right at the top of the DC list. Yeah. So can we? Wh- what do we label DCEU? I guess in this case, and what do we label like outside of it? Because I feel like this I'm movie. I'm only putting in like the Ben Affleck. So the Zack Snyder timeline. stuff. Yeah, okay. I'm taking out the Christopher Nolan Batman movies because obviously those are DC 
superheroes and villains, but they're not, I don't know. They weren't really done with that timeline. Would you put them in there? Cause if they, if you do, no. then I'm putting all three of those on top <laughs> <laughs> and then Joker. No, I, I, th- I think that anything from man of steel to now, except for Joker, I think would yeah. fall into what we call the DCEU of today. So naming them off, I guess it's man of steel, right? Batman versus Superman. Um, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Shazam, Justice League. Justice League. I almost forgot Justice League. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that's it for now, right? I, I, I feel like there might... They announced a whole lot, but none, nothing really came through for those. I don't think there was anything else. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, Yeah. no, it's it's just those. But I, I feel like in, the, in, in that grouping, this movie is definitely like, if not number one, then number two. Yeah, I just feel like there was moments where the the things I would knock off of its scoring for me are just like inconsistencies with its dialogue or just like little things that I would have to nitpick at that don't make sense to me. Mainly starting off with the beginning of the movie. Um, I thought they took a little too much like creative freedom with rewriting mythology. Like Ares killing all of the gods Zeus creating the Amazons instead of like Aphrodite doing that. Like, I don't know. There, there it seems like you could work in actual Greek history. I don't think you need to rewrite Greek history or mythology. I wanted a close up shot of Zeus actually sculpting them out of clay and like individually putting in the details there because, you know, it's Zeus. Yeah, they did that in Clash and Wrath of the Titans, didn't they? I think so. I've seen, I know I've seen this before somewhere. I just my blind is blanking on where I've seen this. Don't confuse this movie though with the clay <laughs> thing, because she was like Diana, uh, Wonder Woman was born from a clay statue, but her mom sculpted her and then asked for life. Damn! I wish we could do that with other stuff. I'm like, I'll sculpt some cash and clay, and I'm like, Hey Zeus, bro, throw me a bone here, make this come true. And I'd be just, I'd be sculpted in a large pizza pie. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But like, yeah, it's like little things like that where it's like, you just make up your own history to fit into a story that you, you, I think you have to do it the other way around. I think you have to create a story that fits into history. Right. Creating this island, the mascara. It was like, why are they, why did they never evolve past bow and arrows and swords? Because they're above all of that. Uh, um, they're like proud warriors and they never thought about like advancing their craft they only thought about like perfecting the bow and arrow and the sword i guess it's just like one of those things where like on a philosophical level like if you take away the need for war do you really have a need to advance weaponry do you really have a need to advance your skills in combat then no (laughs) but (laughs) Like, that's the problem is, like, when you start thinking about things like that, like, well, coming up with devil advocate ideas, then it's like, wait, no, that doesn't even make sense because it, it just doesn't. Like, like well, yeah, I get your point of view where. Well, this isn't Wakanda, Emmett, right? Like, they didn't find vibranium. They should have created something like that. <laughs> I, I think it was, it was done that way to adhere to the comics. Like, even the altering of uh, Greek mythology, that's that all stems from the comic books uh, for Wonder Woman because it did play a lot looser with uh, traditional Greek myths 
for her origin. This is definitely where our appreciation for the films will differ. Um, just because I never really got into comic books. I always thought they were like, you know, too expensive or too exclusive to read a story once and then just, you know, put it on your shelf. Whereas like with Star Wars, I kind of like worshipped that stuff more. So this definitely is like, I only know Wonder Woman, Batman, Superman, whatnot. And Marvel, for that matter, too, just from the movies. I'm gonna start sending you comic books your way, just to, just to show you some value of comics. <laughs> that never really annoyed you though, that they only made like a certain amount of a comic book, and like you didn't, like if you weren't one of the select few that got to buy it, then you don't get to know what that bit of story arc is. Maybe we're con- you're confusing it a little. So I I know that they do like monthly issues of, of certain books but when they're done with the story they usually collect it into like a, a collected volume and they'll release that that's where i usually buy a storyline like if i've heard good reviews on it I'll, I'll buy it then i don't like buying those individual comics because yeah like saying like i got a first edition <laughs> episode like number five spider-man like i don't want well, yeah, but track they, that stuff down. <laughs> they got away from doing that i think that that was back in like the 80s and the 90s when they were seeing that old comic books were actually going up in value by a lot. Okay, well, I'm a 90s kid. That's why I wasn't into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you, we, we grew up during a time when, when um, it was inundated with that kind of thing. And I feel like it might have been way too overwhelming for, for, for you. A little kid out. on a budget for Pokemon cards, <laughs> comic books, and then eventually it became like video, like Game Boys and video games, like. I don't have the budget for all of this, okay? I'm a little kid. <laughs> well, you know what one of the issues is? It's probably, like, the, I, my big thing was w- when I was younger and I wanted to get into comics, I found it overwhelming because, like, let's say, I don't know, pick a year, like 2000, 2000 2001, you walk into a comic book store, you're not going to go and pick up Batman number one, right? Because they're up to Batman number 1000, whatever. <laughs> right. So then, like, at my kid mind during that time was like, oh, wait, I, sh- I should probably start at Batman number one. But you're not going to yeah. be able to find it because it's been out of print for so long. Exactly. So you get you get my point of view. That's where, Wiki- <laughs> that's where Wikipedia comes into play here. <laughs> oh, OK. <laughs> no, but th- there's, there's key stories that are that are really good to just kind of read and, and maybe like put on a shelf somewhere because they're iconic enough. But not everything. I, I, I totally get your point, though. OK. Well, regardless, let's advance our technology past the bow and arrow. Because as soon as a couple German soldiers show up on the beach with a couple M4 Garands, they they really get their butts handed to them. They kill Princess Buttercup, like, out of nowhere. (laughs) I don't remember her name, so I can't correct you. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't... (laughs) I'm thinking about the wrong. I am thinking about the right actress here, right? I don't remember. Oh no, Emma! Did you see Princess Bride? Oh, who also played in um, House of Cards? Yes, it's 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 Robin Wright. She's she's um. I don't do well with God, actors what? and actresses' names. Oh, that okay. was her, though. You're right. Yeah, they they just they they really killed my girl, Robin Wright, right on the beach. And then they gave her headband. To Diana. Yeah, who didn't deserve it because she got her killed. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Princess Buttercup, no. 
But there was like problems with that, like that I will tie to the trailer, like the training of Diana. It was all done in secret and it started when she was a little child. And then they flash forward pretty quickly to her as like a older teenager, maybe. And then the mom spots some training and is like, I was never on board for this, but okay, fine. Go ahead, trainer. Like, <laughs> wait, what? Like you, you've pr- protected her her whole life. And then now you're cool with just like training her to become a warrior. I feel like tonally again, I have, we haven't seen wonder woman 84 yet to kind of know this for sure, but tonally it seems like wonder woman one is this very, a little bit more dark kind of tone. Like it has this undertone of like almost hope, a glitter of hope in, in, in a world of hopelessness during world war one. Right. And it right. seems like Wonder Woman 84 is a lot more ingrained in the idea of futurism and like embracing the idea of hope. Um, only because, I, you know, the 80s was the time when I guess folks were more invested in like, oh, what's the 2000 era going to look like? Well, like, wh- where are we going to be like 20, 30 years from now? It was more of that thinking then. And Patty Jenkins seems to like align her her movies in that kind of fashion to like kind of fit the era of things. Yeah, I would definitely agree with you that the tone of the first one was like she was very naive or almost like childlike and she thought that like killing off Ares the god of war that all the wars would end and like all the evil would end in the world so there was definitely like hope and then it was extinguished when she realized like wait then everyone's under this like under this spell and like the man she's falling in love with is also under the influence of Ares um but yeah i i don't know i i'm curious i'm really curious to see how this movie will come out how it ties to the first one i almost feel like the contradictions that they're building in just the trailer have to just be like this is a totally different timeline universe yeah, I feel like they got into a bit of a mess by trying to backtrack from Batman versus Superman and, and Justice League because I feel like those two movies um, put a, like a lot of like cemented base for each one of these characters for Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. That it kind of it already like even the first movie itself contradicted a little. It tried its best to align with the Batman versus Superman version of Wonder Woman, um, but I feel like even going into Wonder Woman eighty four, like you've you're already contradicting some of the stuff that was in uh, BVS that all of a sudden I guess isn't a thing anymore. Like Wonder Woman walking away for a hundred years, but all of a sudden she's active in eighty four. Um, right. It it's yeah. I I feel like DC's not good on continuity yet. Somebody over there's got to like monitor this stuff if they want to do a connected universe thing because it kind of seems like they're only flirting with the idea of doing it that way but never want to stand and clarify any of that stuff too yeah like don't do a avengers-esque justice league movie where they all have to band together and join the same timeline if you're not willing to make their individual movies make sense with in accordance to that timeline that you've established like that's where like kevin feige um really went above and beyond with planning out the entire arc of every every story in marvel at, yep. at the at the beginning and then letting all the directors make their choices making sure that they all fit yeah the the good thing about marvel is like you have an interconnected universe one guy kind of guiding it all but also like within each little pocket 
get of that universe for each character it has its own kind of tone for each movie something that dc doesn't like they do have that individual tone per character but it's so drastically different sometimes that you you wonder like does this wonder woman fit with that aquaman and does that aquaman actually fit in with that version of batman um you know because it's it, it's weird right because like if you think about the way man of steel and Batman versus Superman ended up being those are two of the most depressing movies I've ever seen. <laughs> I did I did enjoy Man of Steel. I thought it was a, I, I thought it was a good portrayal of Superman. But Batman versus Superman, the, mind you, the extended edition I think is a little better, right? No, but I feel no. like I, <laughs> that was such a waste of time. It was very uh, how do you put like I, I feel like it was yeah it was done to kind of make seem like there is a very big edginess to both of these characters where there really didn't need to be but in stark contrast you look at wonder woman one and it was a movie a lot more engraved in hope with i think a better message for what the dc comics characters are one of the criticisms that dc characters always get is the fact that they're very unrealistic like Batman doesn't kill, Superman doesn't kill, Wonder Woman doesn't mind killing. <laughs> yeah, but they're they always equate them to these like very god god level status of, of heroes. Like, yeah, they're very PG friendly. Whereas like Marvel doesn't like they put their characters in this gray area where it's like they'll try not to kill anybody, but they can't guarantee it. <laughs> you know. Yeah, Marvel addressed like collateral damage of superheroes and. They had a moment of that in Batman vs Superman, but without really showing it, I guess. Well, I think the the thing is like Batman vs Superman was way too grounded because it, it addressed that problem head on. Like it was released the same year as uh, Civil War for Marvel, and I feel like Civil War was a much much better movie because it handled that topic better than BVS did. BVS was so depressingly real the way that humans would respond to something like superman that i was kind of like taken aback and i was like wait a minute hang on i came in here to get away from <laughs> from that stuff yeah but like wonder woman took i think the right approach and and had the right tone that i really kind of i wish patty jenkins would have been the one behind the director's chair for for this uh for her intro in, ba in batman versus superman i think she probably would have nailed that uh, those characters has missed a lot better. I hope so. Could we talk real quick about one thing? I feel like, you know, in terms of general likes and dislikes, I feel like, and, and I don't know if you'll agree with me on this, but um, Chris Pine's addition into this movie, I thought he and, 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 and Gal Gadot had excellent chemistry, and I think they carried this movie. The Their relationship and their back and forth is what made this movie for me. Um, so I'm glad he's back in Wonder Woman 84. But also, I feel like the biggest weakness of Wonder Woman 1 was the villain. I feel like Ares was kind of like, I, I feel like that third act where they reveal who he is and, you know, Diana goes after him and they have this whole fight sequence. I feel like that was the weakest link of the movie for me. But everything else leading up to that was amazing. Yeah, I 100% agree that Chris Pine and Gal Gadot played off each other very well for this movie um i definitely love chris pine's career so i think he's a perfect addition to this i'm really happy they're somehow bringing him back for wonder woman 84 and i also agree i think the villain was a little weird i didn't 
I actually I enjoyed the reveal of him being like I was behind the shadows as this guy who was preaching for peace, but no one would listen to me character. But it, it's just like the fighting CGI is what throws me off for all DC movies. It's the Steppenwolf. It's Ares. It's the what's what's the abomination's name or whatever. Um. Oh. Why am I forgetting this? He Armageddon he, or something like that. Doomsday. Doomsday, yeah. It's it's those monsters that they create that just, like, you can't buy into. Whereas, like, Ultron looked realistic um, for, like, Iron Man creations. Or Thanos, like, didn't look that crazy looking. He looked like he was just, like, much stronger and much taller as a human. See, I, I feel like... The CG, I didn't really have too much. Like, well, okay, well, minus Aquaman. I feel like I have a lot of CG problems with Aquaman. But <laughs> Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I feel like the CG in Aquaman was a little off. <laughs> um, Doomsday, I didn't think looked hor- I didn't think the CGI looked horrible. I think the character design looked horrible. I feel That's like... That's what I mean. It's the design of it. It's not the CGI or the execution of the CGI. It's the Whoa. design. It's the random metal bits that... Ares puts on in this movie that like just doesn't look yeah become good. the armor that and like the fact that so like Doomsday didn't look like Doomsday at all from the comics or from the TV shows that they've done over the years he he looked like he just came out of one of the mines of Moria and he's about to like attack the the Fellowship of the Ring there except he's got laser eyes for some reason but there's no explanation to him uh but yeah, yeah I thought Ares was a weak villain for especially for something a movie that's very well put together I felt like not just an action sequence per se, but it's like it felt like Ares didn't even need to be in this movie to <laughs> for this movie to have the same effectiveness. I feel like you could take him out and still have a really good movie. It just to me, it kind of seems like the villain was kind of an afterthought uh, for Wonder Woman. Yeah, I think it's like the last thing they realize, like, oh, crap, we haven't we haven't put a budget or a plan into that. We'll just throw whatever on screen. We'll just make that old man Ares. <laughs> so here's the question, though. Yeah. Be fixed by Kristen Wiig and her 2019 Cats performance on screen. <laughs> <laughs> well, if James Corden is next to her dancing, yes. This is, James this is Corden, already- Taylor Swift will make an appearance behind <laughs> Kristen Wiig. <laughs> that, that, we'll be covering Cats on our next episode, so please stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think. I, I hope so, right? Because I feel like the cal- at least the caliber of, of actor and actress for this duo villain uh, team up here for Wonder Woman 84 seems to be at least uh, a more solid foundation. Like Pedro Pascal, I feel like I like most of the stuff he's done. Um, he's a very charismatic guy. And, he, and on screen, he always makes for a good... I, I'm not quite sure if we've seen him as a as a villain too often to kind of say, right? But like... He, but we, I think we've seen him in enough things where he's the bad guy, where I feel like he's definitely uh, he's definitely got uh, a good a good base to kind of go off of. And then Kristen Wiig, I thought was a good a good and very like um, kind of out of left field choice to play a villainess, especially somebody as prominent as, as Cheetah. I definitely agree that the caliber of actor is good, and I also do think that Pedro Pascal rides this like right in the middle of the spectrum of clearly a good actor a, a good guy actor or a bad guy actor i think he is so neutral that 
he's so monotone. Like if Mandalorian, we didn't follow around and know that he had a good moral compass. You could be like, he's ruthless kill. He's a ruthless killer. He's a bad guy. <laughs> so I think he is very in the middle with how he speaks. And it seems like he's bringing that to this movie as well in the trailer. The character he's playing is definitely um, an interesting choice for him because out of, I don't know. Mu- I don't know much about him. What do you, what do you know? So Maxwell Lord is basically like Lex Luthor light <laughs> in, in DC. He's a, he's a CEO of his own company. He's this guy that I don't know who he's, he's the real like um, antagonist to. I think he's just been a general justice league villain, but he's been somebody, somebody that's led like the Cadmus group, which is this, this like government funded um, evil organization in, in the comics. He, he's been, He's had powers. He's he's been a guy without powers, but generally speaking, I think he's had like telepathic abilities, which it seems like that's kind of what's at play, uh, based off of the trailers in Wonder Woman eighty four. Yeah, let's um, talk a little bit. Let's let's talk about trailers, the the trailer and the like predictions, I guess. So yeah. if he he might or might not have powers in this, I'm guessing he has sort of like like mind control of sorts where. It's like there's no way you can bring back Steve Trevor and just like give Kristen Wiig these powers of Cheetah, right? Mm. It has to be some sort of like their vision is impaired of sorts. So it seems like, and this is this is just me speculating, but there's scenes in the trailer where he seems to be holding onto this rock of sorts, and I know in the comics there's like a there's some sort of like there's a rock that like grants you wishes of some sort, but it basically acts like as an amplifier to um, like magical abilities, which if I'm going by that, then I would assume then he's got either telepathic abilities. Plus like he has a magical rock <laughs> or <laughs> he somehow is able to like manipulate magic somehow and like get people to get like their ultimate wish or whatever they want. Cause he, he has that whole speech about, in the, in the, I think it was like in trailer two or even trailer one where he says like, oh, the future is yours. You can have whatever you want kind of thing. Yeah, he actually says the word wish in the trailer. Yeah, and he seems to have like some like I think he's a president or running to become president at least right from from the looks of it. Some sort of government mayor type role. But, he's in um, front of a podium. That would like so. <laughs> yeah, that would make sense then. And maybe... We we do see Diana and or Gal Gadot and Kristen Wiig in the same room at some point, so we know they know each other. So possibly he lets them both make a wish or whatever, and uh, Gal wishes for Steve Trevor back. <laughs> a little bit less uh, intense than wishing for her superpowers, which is clearly what Kristen Wiig wishes for. Is that, or does she just wish for like cheetah print and like the rock just take it, took it way too literal? Too literal. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little concerned that for for a while I thought that maybe they were gonna go the cheap route and just never turn her into a cheetah. She just has like super strength, but wears leopard print all the time. So they're like, oh look, it's the cheetah. Well, yeah, the first trailer didn't show that. It just showed her like her and Gal fighting in love... like, an art exhibit or something like that, and. She now they included it. Normally. Now, yeah, the second trailer, which came out a couple months ago, does include her in full 
2019 Cats, the musical attire. <laughs> the CG looks a little better than the cat stuff, though, honestly. Like, we'll, yeah. We'll, we see like a few seconds of it, so we can't necessarily say 100% assuredness for that. But it does look a little better. And Wonder Woman is out with her um, Kingdom oh, Come inspired yeah. golden suit. Yeah. Cost so pretty penny. I know. <laughs> there's a there's a classic um, like a DC Elseworlds type story I think called Kingdom Come. Um, and she like Wonder Woman wears that particular golden armor type outfit. So it was a nice little call out to include it just it's it's kind of random because the story this story doesn't seem to align anything with the Kingdom Come story. So it's just kind of like throwing a bone to the fans there. But it's a nice visual. Yeah, which makes me just think that this is some sort of alternate timeline or alternate reality for that's that wishing stone or whatever it is. Just because you're right, like the dialogue doesn't match up. Steve should be dead because he blew up in a plane explosion in the first movie. And her saying at the end of the movie, like, I never got involved with humanity. Well, her saying it in whatever it was, like, 2019 or 2018, saying I never got involved with humanity for the next hundred years. And then 1984 being in the middle of that timeline. Like, it, it must be where, like, all these wishes come true. And then by the end of the movie, it's all erased. Yeah, I, I tend to think it's something along those lines. I don't necessarily think it's an alternate reality, per se. I, I just feel like DC just doesn't care about continuity anymore. I feel like they kind of threw their arms up for it after the disaster box office performance of Justice League. I'm going to continue holding out hope that they do care and they are building something bigger than just doing these random one-offs that aren't tied to each other. But if it's the case where it is like everything is wiped clean at the end of the movie and like it's as if no one remembers it and they go on about their day, would I would we walk out of that viewing satisfied being like, okay, a whole movie happened that doesn't exist in the timeline universe (laughs) i want to hold this movie to be in continuity with the first movie and as long as it's in continuity with wonder woman one that's fine if it if it is in contradiction to batman versus superman or some of the other stuff outside of it then you know it it is what it is but as long as it's in the same vein as the first movie i'm totally fine yeah i think we just got to wait and see i mean there's not much we can tell from the trailers there's it's definitely not in continuity in the trailers but i'm sure they're going to find a way to explain that but steve coming back is definitely both surprising but also i guess it's one of those things too where like i'm kind of excited for it because like i said one of my favorite things about the first movie was their interactions together yeah one of those ones that we we had just watched the trailer before recording this um one of the interactions that we pointed out was them trying on outfits in the end of the second trailer um, so it, it's a direct correlation or a direct reference and flip of Wonder Woman 1 where Steve brings Diana to London in whatever it was, 1918 or 1917 and or 1911. I'm not even sure why I went plus six there. Uh, <laughs> he brings her to London and he has to like show her the shops and teach her how to dress for the time uh, because she's coming from an island where they didn't wear that like those sorts of outfits and then now diane is teaching him how to dress for the 80s because he's coming back from wherever he was so i I like those like little nods and that's why i'm also hopeful that it will be coinciding with wonder woman one references yeah i think i think it will i'm also very um 
it, it it's kind of telling to me right because like the uh, the steve trevor uh character is kind of i guess now a captain america type figure in the sense that he's like a man out of time fish out of water kind of thing like the guy that's living in a timeline he's technically not supposed to be living in right so it'll be interesting to see and it's also you know obviously a bit tragic and also sad that wonder woman and steve are basically the uh steve rogers and um peggy, peggy Olson. peggy yeah of of dc roles reversed which is a little always confusing because then does her granddaughter ever exist if steve stays <laughs> in the past that's for another podcast <laughs> i think that's her niece sharon or it's whatever that timeline <laughs> will not be there if steve stays in the picture well i mean yeah I, there's so many questions on that i think we could spend a whole episode talking about <laughs> the fall out interesting of that his real name is chris playing a character called steve <laughs> <laughs> get more get more uh, unique with these guys come on there's too many chrises in hollywood this is Chris Pine is what like the fifth Chris to come out. Yeah, but he's older than all of them. Is he really? Yeah, he's Damn. pretty old. I thought he was the younger one out of all of them. Goes to show I don't know a lot about. He's the forty years old. Is he really? Damn. Okay, I was way yeah. off. I think Chris Evans is not that old. Chris Evans, thirty-nine. Is... I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> by a year. By, by a year, you can see it on their face. That's Chris Pratt. The you know I I hope at some point we get an explanation. Wait, as to Chris why... Pratt is forty one years old. Is he really? Okay, so he that, looks the go. youngest out of all of them. All right, all right. Never mind. I stand corrected. Yeah, now I need to have to find out how old Chris Hemsworth is. That was the last Chris, right? Yeah. Is there any more? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't show his age, but he's six foot three. He's thirty seven. He's thirty seven. Wow. Okay. Um, I would never have guessed this. Yeah, I'm very surprised. <laughs> well, with that twist ending, I think we can call it there. We're we're we both really liked Wonder Woman one. We're both pretty hopeful for Wonder Woman two uh, coming out on Christmas Day. So we'll watch that and then we'll do a, a a fresh take on all the scenes and just where it ranks in the universe as well. And I can't wait for Wonder Woman 3. Yeah, I'm sure that's in the pipeline. <laughs> is it really? Because I kind of took a shot in the dark there. <laughs> no well, the way that Warner Brothers is going, I don't think there might be a Wonder Woman <laughs> 3. Yeah. Um, fingers crossed Probably. that there is. Yeah. But yeah, so like always, if you if you want to you know reach out to us on any of your thoughts on Wonder Woman 1, uh, go ahead, hit us up at BehindTheFourthWallPodcast at gmail.com, fourth being 4th. Or on Twitter at BT Fourth Wall. All right. Well, thanks for listening, and uh, we you know, hope to catch you guys again next week. And uh, hopefully, we'll we'll have a pretty in-depth and lengthy conversation on on Wonder Woman eighty four. Thanks for listening. <laughs>